Hi there, listener. It's Matthew. You've come looking for an episode of the Children's Book Podcast, and you've found it. Hooray! But you're probably wondering why the name of the podcast has changed. After eight years of doing the Children's Book Podcast, I began a new career as head of podcasts at A Kid's Company About, where I now oversee a podcast network dedicated to producing original content that talks up to kids, centers the things going on in their world, and engages and challenges how they see the world and themselves. All of the episodes of the Children's Book Podcast are still here, but now, if you're subscribed, you'll get new episodes of Worth Noting, a kid's podcast about current events, hosted by me. Something for you and the young people in your life to enjoy together. Enjoy this episode, and I hope you'll check out Worth Noting and other podcasts from a kid's company about... Support for the Children's Book Podcast comes from Kidlit These Days, a new podcast from Book Riot pairing the best of children's literature with what's going on in the world today. Join hosts Karina Jan Glazer, author of the Vanderbeekers series of middle grade novels, and me as we examine the intersection of current events in children's literature. Recent episodes have focused on LGBTQ Pride Month and trans representation in queer children's literature demystifying the hijab and speaking to children on the danger of hate-laced speech toward Muslims, and the border wall, one Idaho school's staff and their alarming choice of Halloween costumes, and how a group of Latinx authors stepped in with an offer few would refuse. Each episode features a special guest, a curated book list, and a whole lot of bookish banter. Tune in at bookriot.com listen and click on Kidlit these days, or subscribe on your favorite podcast app. Yeah, Nat and I were kind of commiserating. I said, my eight-year-old, we're trying to get him on, like, a summer schedule, and he just wants to be entertained. And uh, we were saying, like, just read, just do the whole summer reading program in comics. It'll be awesome. Yeah, no, graphic novels. Yeah, yeah. Totally. I know. I mean, the, the, you're talking to me, too. Like, I'm like, Jonah, really, that's all I read. This is really a safe place for you. <laughs> no, I just want to play Roblox. Um, so my, uh, my son would recommend to your son, he's a little bit older, but he would recommend Wings of Fire. No, the Wings of Fire. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. And to do the comics of those, too. Yes, graphic novels. Two of them came out already. Yeah. Yeah. See, that's a good call. I, I think my son will only read that right now. I mean, like, literally for one year, he just reads that series over and over again, and you cannot get him to read anything else. And you, I mean, otherwise he reads nothing. Otherwise he's just in front of video games all day. There are lots and lots of ninja books being published, but how many feel reflective of Japanese culture? This is the Children's Book Podcast, episode number 523. I'm your host, Matthew Winner. Today I'm speaking with Mia Wenjen and Nat Iwata about their new picture book, Sumo Joe. Sumo Joe is a story told in rhyme about a boy and his friends upholding a centuries-old tradition considered through a modern lens. It's the first picture book I've read that addresses the practice of sumo, and it does so against challenges to gender restrictions while providing a historical context. I'm especially impressed with the economy of words at work here. With the help of Nat's illustrations, Mia accomplishes breadth and depth on the topic using just a handful of words. The result is a story that's easy to read over and over and easy to enjoy for an even wider audience. 
please welcome my guests, Mia Wenjen and Nat Iwata, author and illustrator of Sumo Joe. My name is Nat Iwata. My pronouns are he, him, his. I'm the illustrator of the recently released book, children's book, Sumo Joe, and I am an art lead at a VR studio by day and a children's book illustrator by night. I'm Mia Wenjin. My pronouns are she, her. Um, I am the author of Sumo Joe. Um, I also co-authored How to Coach Girls, which is a book for keeping girls in sports that I wrote with Allison Foley, the Boston College uh, women's um, coach. Um, before I started writing books, I was a children's book blogger, um, and I blog at Pragmatic Mom, and I also co-founded Multicultural Children's Book Day, which is a nonprofit meant to celebrate the diversity in children's books. And then way before all of this, back um, before I had children, um, I was an entrepreneur, a dorm room entrepreneur out of um, Harvard, and I started a um, staffing company that now is... I think one of the largest creative staffing firms in the U.S. We place uh, creatives and marketing people. No kidding. That is awesome. Wow. Whoa. You have had a storied career already. <laughs> wow. I feel like I should have elaborated more. <laughs> I think I'm much older than both of you. So that's, I think that's my secret. Well, I, I came to know you from Pragmatic Mom and just from the internet at large. And Nat, I just know you from books. <laughs> but I was so excited that you're doing a book together. I think ever since, uh, Mia, ever since you you shared the cover, I've been really looking forward to this. Uh, I feel much like in the library world, those that work with books a lot, it, it doesn't seem so surprising to know that that a librarian might also be a writer or that a book blogger might also be a writer. But this is an awesome debut. And I want to get down to how how you came into making the decision to write for children and and why this one so why don't we start let's introduce sumo joe you want to start us off mia with a book talk um sure so i um i think it was just because i've been blogging on children's books and diversity children's books for a long time and um honestly like you know, like a few years ago, there was just like tons of ninja books, like just tons of ninja picture books out there. And, you know, they're, you know, I, I mean, I like ninjas. I think ninjas are super cool, but it didn't always feel reflective of Japanese culture. Um, and I'm half Japanese and half Chinese, and I'm married to a Korean national. Um, and so I think, you know, part of it is just in the back of my mind was sort of um, to tell a story like a ninja story, but like not. Um, like what would what would what's popular like ninjas? What is uh, well known like ninjas? But what also is really misunderstood? And for me, like sumo was that you know um, similar thing. And I just happened to be standing behind someone at a like a dive Brazilian restaurant, kind of a big guy, and um, and these rhymes just came into my head. These random rhymes that um, made no sense, but I wrote them down in my phone, and I just sort of left it. And then a couple of weeks later, I was in my office in Boston and we have like hotel space. So like no one has an assigned seat. Everyone has like a, a locker and a file drawer. 
So most people don't have any kind of tchotchkes or like, you know, frames on their desk. But in this case, I was like kind of where the HR was sitting and they actually had the sumo squish ball. So I saw it and I was like laughing. I was like, oh my God, I have this like sumo picture book in my head. Like, and I just started rattling off the, the, you know, the random rhymes I could think of. And the ladies started laughing and they're like, oh, you should totally write a book. And I was like, oh, you know, maybe like, I don't know how to. So I, I took, I signed up for a class, just like a local, you know, adult education class at my high school. And, um, and I thought, oh, it's going to start in January. So it's December now. I better like write, write that book because like, I'll probably have to, you know, have people read something. Um, and so I just, I just like wrote it in like a couple of days. Um, <laughs> and then, then the class, you know, like I ended up being the, the this really amazing class. Cause it was, um, Janie Ho was in it and, um, yes. was in it. And, and they had a friend who was like, like an award-winning illustrator. She only came for the first class cause she was like so busy making edits. Um, and, and so like everyone, you know, you know, we just like did, you know, four classes and, um, and so it was done and I just sort of sat there. And then my middle daughter, who's very critical was enthusiastic about it, which is unusual. And she was like, you know, you should make into a book. You should make into a book. And I was like, I, okay, I don't really know how to do that. And, and then right before I went on vacation, like to go to California, like in August, I was like, I've been looking at Lee and Lowe competition. I've been looking at it. I've been looking at it. I'm just going to throw my hat in the ring because I don't have to write a query letter and I don't know how to write a query letter. I just have to like, you know, type in like three things. So I threw it in and then, um, you know, I didn't win, but I did get an, e like an email back saying, you know, we liked your story. And if you want us to help you with it, you know, you just let us know. And I was like, oh my God, yes, I need help. Like, you know, normally I would have to pay for that. Um, and that was, that was the journey eventually, like after I would say six months of back and forth edits, maybe three or four major edits that, um, they ended up, you know, purchasing it. Wow. This story about a big brother who's into sumo and a sister who is into Aikido came from being behind a giant Brazilian man and also a sumo squish ball. That is crazy town. Yeah, so of and yet, I had to get yeah. the sumo. It's the same exact squish ball. I had to get that made for our book. Oh, okay, so that's the story behind it. Yeah, I've seen yeah. it. That's great. Wow. Well, how generous too that not only you you found and were thinking of Lee and Lowe, and that doesn't surprise me because of the book blogging that you do, they have quite a reputation and they I think consistently publish really strong books. But but that um they also extended the hand to work with you uh to continue developing the manuscript uh is an opportunity that I think is is uncommon. It doesn't happen for everyone, but I think it also speaks to the investment they they saw that not only that you put into your work, but that they wanted also to put into your work. So well done. Thank you. <laughs> Did you send them all of the thank you letters with squishy, squishy sumo? <laughs> I, I sent them a, a box of sumo squish balls. Nice. Small box, but uh, I think they used it as giveaways for promotion. Oh, well. You know, Jason Lowe probably like snuck one for his desk, though, <laughs> just to be his his happy place of squishing the sumo. That's what I would do. <laughs> I'll send you one so, with you. 
Oh, nice. Give Ooh, nice. One. I will. I will keep I that. <laughs> like, I literally used a Sharpie and I put eyeballs in. I was... <laughs> <laughs> oh, <so> you <laughs> said. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, no. So good. Well, I I want to jump into more of the story in your writing, but first, um, Nat, I'd love to hear how you got involved in this. I assume it was at some point after Lee and Lo acquired the manuscript. Is that correct? Yes, I believe so. It was through my agent, Jennifer. So, um, yeah, I didn't know if you were just pining for for years of of just wanting to illustrate a sumo book. <laughs> a sumo book. No, just um... <laughs> googling the internet. <laughs> Not. Not necessarily, but um, I had this is my so I had actually illustrated three books prior to this um, before getting a literary agent and kind of I, th- I consider this being like my first kind of more uh, traditional like trade book, um, and so this was like a really a good debut picture book in that sense. And I heard about it from Jennifer, and she I think she'd met with someone at Lee and Low at some point. She takes trips to um, to New York regularly, and she mentioned that this might be an option and they were looking for somebody and that it could be a good fit because I'm actually also half Japanese. So that's kind of a nice tie-in. Um, I've done Aikido with my kids, with my uh, boys in the past. I've never done sumo. That's uh, maybe someday. But uh, but yeah, so I, when I heard about it, it was just like, yeah, this could be a really, really cool fit. And um, fortunately, Lee and Lo liked my art and that's how I ended up on the project. But um it was cool being able to write or illustrate a book that had characters in it that were Japanese. And um, if you notice, like in the backgrounds of some of the pages, there's some like family pictures the and family, actually yeah. I incorporated some of my kind of caricatures of my family in those pictures. And um, yeah, it was just really neat to, to do a, a book like this. And also thinking back to my childhood and going like, yeah, I don't remember like ever reading a book with Japanese kids in it, you know, like or even Asian Americans, except I think, um, like Ricky Tiki, uh, that was like the only one I can remember mm-hmm. being a kid. So, um, so yeah, so it was a, it was a really neat opportunity. I'm really glad I got the chance to, to work with Lee and Lo and Mia on it. Can I tell well, you I'm... that I was like just scouring Instagram for a month. Cause I was just looking at how, um, how children were drawn children of color were drawn and I was just clipping it and putting on the multicultural children's book day Instagram and I came across two sumo drawings like there was like there's like a really large like Instagram account that just has all illustrations of, of, mm-hmm. and and I was like oh my god who is this I was like is there another sumo book out there or like what so like I went to your account and I was like trying to figure out what it was and I, I didn't know. And I just saved it thinking like, oh my God, these are like really amazing illustrations. And I wish I would get an illustrator like this, but I'm just going to save it. Cause I'll use it for promotion of like sumo stuff out <laughs> there. And it was literally like two or three months before the, um, before Lee and Lo told me who the illustrator was. And so, I mean, I, I, I feel like the luckiest person ever because oh, I literally that's... looked, I mean, I looked at like hundreds of thousands of images of how, Asian children are depicted, Hispanic, um, you know, African-Americans, which are the easiest to portray. But like, I feel like Latinos and Asians are really hard to draw in a way that they look ethnic, but they don't look racist. And, you know, I honestly, like, I was just like, is this a game? Is this a a, (laughs) a book that's already like, what, like, what are these two drawings? 
But um, so. Oh, that's awesome. I didn't know that. That's great. Yeah, you I'm glad to hear you that. went searching and found him. That's right. <laughs> you followed like a parallel path that Lee and Lowe was going through, searching for the right illustrator. No, I, I think they already found him. I think they said, "Hey, we want you to be an illustrator of this book. Can you do two test drawings?" Is that? Is that oh, of course. Happened? No. Um, is it possible, Nat? No. So what? Actually, what happened? I had. Um, are you? I think what what drawings you're talking about? I did one sumo one. And then I had one of just like a little girl, like an Asian little girl on my site. Maybe that was the one you were talking about. No, it's like a sumo boy, like almost like like a uh, – I can send it to you because I literally clipped it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I, have, I have one of a boy eating – he's like eating ramen. Yeah, one of them's eating ramen yeah, and yeah. one of them's like squatting in a ring kind of. Like. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, so those actually weren't test um, illustrations. What happened was – I think I heard about it from my agent, just like that there was some sumo-based book that might be com- coming out or they might be looking for an illustrator. And so I just was inspired and I was like, oh, that's awesome. I'm going to do some sumo illustrations. And so I did. And then I didn't really hear anything. And then later on, we got paired up. But oh. uh, that's really cool that you saw it because I had, <laughs> you know, I hadn't, didn't know who the author was. I didn't know anything about the book except that like... Yeah, there might be this sumo book coming down the line that I mean, you know. I you literally could be a good thought, book. and then like I stalked you for hours trying to figure out <laughs> what are these sumo drawings? Why are they so awesome? You know, who is this person? So oh, that's, oh, that's wild. So cool. That's great. And here it is, and here you are together. Yeah, yeah. Support for the Children's Book Podcast comes from Bharat Babies. Bharat Babies produces children's books about India with a story for everyone. I've featured their books several times on the podcast, and now I've got a special offer for you, dear podcast listener. Visit bharatbabies.com and get $5 off any purchase of $19.95 or more when you use the offer code READINGISRAD. That's Barat Babies, B-H-A-R-A-T-B-A-B-I-E-S dot com. Offer code reading is rad. Support for the Children's Book Podcast comes from Storyteller Academy. Learn the art of storytelling from published authors, illustrators, and editors at Storyteller Academy. From making picture book dummies to character design to their submission-ready workshop, if you are interested in writing or drawing stories for children, there is a workshop waiting for you. Sign up today at StorytellerAcademy.com. Oh, man. Mia, do me a favor, and um, if you send me that that image, um, I'll include it in the show notes, and I'll... I'll you know, link to him yeah, as well. But that's, I mean, cause obviously now we want to keep seeing what you may or may not potentially be working on for future <laughs> books. We want to keep guessing and keep stalking, but to know that uh, there was just that sort of big magic going on, that it was nothing directly related. And yet it was just sort of in the air. It was really neat. I mean, I, I like that. What's so amazing about Nat is that he has such a wide range of illustration styles. Cause I, you know, I, I, you know, I, I love looking at his feed, especially on Instagram. And now I see like, kind of like an Asian family, like, you know, doing errands. And I was like, oh, that must be a new book he's working on. And then you see like other kind of, you know, characters for, yeah. could be for games or for whatever. But so, 
I don't know. Is that Asian family like like at the supermarket or like at a like? A oh yeah, I know. I know what one you're talking about. Process? Yeah. Um. Yeah, or that was actually one. No, that's when I was pitching with my agent like a few months ago, and we went out like on a round of submissions, and then we got passes and. We've been talking about whether we should revise it and send it out again. So I don't know. But that that illustration is actually based on um, trips that I used to take to the local like Asian market with my dad um, for like to go buy stuff for, for meals or for celebrations. And um, yeah, I had really fond memories of that place. It was called Anzen and it was a place in Portland. And so I was like, oh, I'm going to try to put this somehow into this illustration. And I actually did the, the guy behind the counter is a caricature of the owner of that Japanese market um, when I was growing up. It was kind of neat. I love I love those illustrations. I mean, it definitely needs to be a book. Well, Thanks. and I love hearing Sumo Joe Nat that you that you've really focused all of our attention on this living room, on this space that's transformed into a place for Joe to do sumo with his friends and and for um, sister Joe to come in as well that you're showing this this space that presumably most of your readers have access to a space that looks just like that uh, whether it's while they're reading now or or just that they <laughs> where they return to after school um, and that you're you're really all building that space for play within the context of Mia's words I think we just lost Nat no you're right Nat is <laughs> chopped off of our net is chopped off of our, off of our call well let's see if he hops back on yeah I, I think there was a little bit of static so i, I know it was involuntary but i, oh, I will no. have to say though about the whole um like why sumo initially when i wrote it in my mind sumo joe was going off to like a dojo like you know um like a dojo like learning at a like a formal place but it was the editors who said oh it would be really fun if it was just in the backyard and so I think what was so amazing was how, yeah, we, know she we hear you dropped off, but um, yeah, you're back. We were just talking about how um, the illustrations, how it's set in the living room and how that makes it like so accessible to kids. And I was just saying oh, okay. how that idea actually came from the editors and it wasn't even Candace because I think she would go to editorial meetings and she would get feedback and then she would come back and she would say, this is what someone said. Um, and so, it, so in my mind, it had shifted to the, to the backyard. And so it's, I, I just, I thought it was such a great collaborative experience with like, yeah. all these people, some that I never even met, but I, I know it went, so it went from the backyard to the living room and I didn't like totally realize it went to the living room, but I loved how <laughs> it, it totally made sense, you know, because I, I was yeah. like, it's in the backyard. Like, I guess you use a hose to make a circle. Like, I don't know, but yeah, um, but I like the pillows better. And then I, the whole, like scene, the very last scene that the sticker that their promotional sticker. Oh yeah. Yeah. Went into a pillow fight. I feel like that was totally your idea. Cause that was not my idea. Yeah. It was just a fun, like, I was just thinking like, okay, these kids are all, using these pillows this whole time as this ring and it's a great you know it's something kids would do or like end up just picking it up and having a pillow fight at the end and it keeps it good natured no matter who's winning or losing and oh, yeah it was a it's fun just like it's tag. so funny it just adds another level of humor like i really love yeah. that oh great yeah the sticker i still haven't seen him because the, my shipment got sent to an old u.s address and i didn't get my uh my books and uh and stickers so i'll see him in person someday 
It's great. Oh, no. Do you want me to, if you send me your address, I'll send you some. And I'll send you squish balls too. Because I, okay. I think I just didn't have your um, overseas address. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, no worries. Yeah, it's it's kind of expensive shipping too. So I didn't really expect it. Um. Yeah, no, I don't mind. I'd be happy to send you a little package. Okay, cool. Okay, so while we're already saying that Mia sends the greatest mail ever, <laughs> <laughs> I I want to actually hop back to you, Mia, and to talk about your text because you employ a rhyme scheme here, or a meter that is different from what I've read before. And I, I really liked it and I wanted to call attention to it because of the way that the way that it beats a rhythm. Do you mind if I read a little bit to you? No, thank you. Okay, cool. I want to read right from the start. Um, and then I want to talk about, about you changing things up. Um, so it starts, get up early, have to hurry, sumo Joe. Strong big bro, built for sumo, gentle though. Build the ring, here we go, practice sumo. One more patient. Special belt wrapped like so. Takes a duo. Muashi long, knotted strong. Time for sumo. I, I, it really stopped me to realize that for most of this book, we are constantly rhyming with that word sumo and that you bring in so many, um, words related to the art and practice of sumo that also rhyme. Um, but the bum, 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 there's the resolution. Bum, 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 there's the resolution. That, that beat. So I'm sort of forever fascinated with the Bill Martin Jr. idea of rhyming. Have you heard it? Have you ever heard? I don't know if it's real or not, but did you ever hear the story of how he wrote Brown Bear? No. That the rhythm came to him first? He speaks about this on, on, I think I, I believe I either read it or, or listened to him speak on it, that it was Brown Bear came to him as bum, 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 And then he just found the words for it. But that's apparently how how most of his writing occurred was by finding these rhythms and then finding words to to go into them. So I wonder, Mia, if you can remember the text developing in this story, if it if it always was rooted in this rhythm for you, or if it started a different way. Yeah. Bill Morton Jr. sounds like a musician, you know, like hearing the rhythm first. Yeah, yeah for, for sure. Me, I'm like lucky because Sumo with the O sound, like that's a really common sound. And a lot of Japanese words end in O, so it, it makes it easier to work the Japanese words in when everything already kind of naturally rhymes. But the actual rhythm, like I that get up early, have to hurry, sumo joe was like one of the first things that popped into my head. Like the first few lines just kind of the the second stanza was uh slightly different, but had the same pattern. And then like once I had the first two like chunks of text, it was like, oh. Looks like we're stuck in this rhyme, you know. Like, like look, like look, looks like this is the rhyme pattern. You know what I mean? Because it was like, it, it also was like, it's too hard to make all three lines rhyme. So it was nice to have, you know, alternating where you could put in another word that didn't rhyme. But it was literally like th- those two things just started it, and then I was like, okay, that's that's how it's going to go, I guess. Um, but I was just lucky because you know, O gives you a lot of that O sound gives you a lot of you know material to work with. 
I think if you were to rhyme every single line, it would have just felt redundant. It wouldn't, it wouldn't have, I think the words might've lost some of their landing if you did that, because it, it wouldn't have given that space, but the, the sound of the O is a vowel that stretches out. So it allows us just to sit with the sound. And then you do this really great trick that I, that I really truly love, um, which is that for one moment, you you remove that rhyme. We meet Akito Joe. We meet the sister coming back from practice. And um, I'm trying to find the page where suddenly it doesn't rhyme anymore. And it draws attention because we're at this moment where it's, where it's, this isn't a girl's space to do this. The lines even read, she wants to join boy only place. She's not allowed in sacred space. But right in the center of the book, we we draw things to it. We draw the, the the rhyming pattern to a halt until we welcome her back in by reading. She wants to prove that she's got moves. Akito versus Sumo, and then we return to that rhyme pattern. And I thought that was really clever to break the rhyme pattern while we're also sort of breaking the the literal rhythm that the boys are in as they are um, preparing for and holding a match. Yeah, so initially I had this like idea that Sumo Joe and Akito Joe like had identical faces. And so but like of course like their bodies are really different. And so you would see a close up of the two faces and I had this line like twins, no, you know, like they look like twins but they're not. And so I had broken the rhyme for that because I just thought that would be hilarious. Like two identical faces, but like Akito Joe would have a ponytail. And, um, <laughs> and, and, you know, Candace, we all thought it was really funny, but then when um, Nat, when he did like the, 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 I guess the mock-ups for the illustrations, then we realized, you know, it isn't going to work because like, you know, his is such a great like visual scenery that like having like a sort of a zoomed in face, you know, for like this little joke, it just like, it just didn't work. And so we were like, Oh yeah, that's fine. Like just we'll lose that little joke. But um you know, because illustrations are so awesome. Um, and so I think we just kind of kept that, the break, you know, like the, the the change in rhythm because we had that anyway and just like kind of reworded it. But um, in my, like I did a little dummy book, like when I was just trying to figure out like where the words go, like, uh, you know, for my class and I had the two faces and I mean, honestly, I I think of that, it just makes me laugh. <laughs> like they look the same, but they're not twins. But um. So anyway, yeah, I think that's how that came about. Oh, so you did a you did your own like sketch dummy first. I'm curious to see that someday. Yeah, I mean, I literally <laughs> really like, cool. I'm, I'm, yeah, uh, I don't know if I'm going to show it to you now. I think I'm, <laughs> but I um a lot of it was just like I had um like photographs that I just printed uh, yeah, out yeah, yeah, and like yeah. you know clipped it of like you know of inspiration, but um well, but I did draw the cover and it looks. Nothing like you. <laughs> the cover reveal yeah, by yeah. Mia Wenjin. Maybe I alternate a cover of yeah. my cover the, the oh, no. with a "Who should be the illustrator?" question. That's right. <laughs> That's great. Uh, well, I actually uh, I started drawing a dummy before I knew more about the book when I, I first got the manuscript just on my own because I, I like to just think about things. So there's part of the book is sketched out in an alternate universe, or maybe it's a future universe uh, version of Joe where he's actually an adult sumo wrestler. 
and he gets up and he's on the he's on like the subway going to practice at the actual dojo and I started sketching this out. I'll have to show you sometime. I love it. And then I was like, oh, I was like, oh, I was like, oh kids. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> oh, kids. <laughs> <laughs> it makes more sense. Okay, yeah, let's do kids. Well, I do think about as you're bringing up kids, for all of the children that that don't know yet what sumo is or what the tradition is, um, one, it's so nice that that you've built all this back matter into the story. And also, Mia, that you've you've written a little bit about that inspiration and what what led you to telling this story. Um, and um, uh, it just makes me think, though, of of the research that children are going to do or of of the looking that they'll go into of 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 watching what a sumo match looks like, of understanding the history and and of it being this male dominated sport that's starting to open up now, uh, but it being based on these traditions that are hundreds of years old. Um, I loved also learning that some of these, some of the language um, that you're using in the book points to uh, what is it, the yeah one of eighty two techniques that can be used to win a sumo match because. Ignorantly, I always thought, like, are they trying to pull down that person's pants? That seems really inappropriate for a wrestling match. But that would be totally a way to win. But the notion of using balance as much as 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 is centered in sumo was something that I think I was really reminded of in not only reading your story, but reading your notes. Uh, and it just made me excited about the coming school year and the way that you'll be talking to our readers, because this is just a really awesome book that I think will make them want to to play, to emulate as well. well thank you. Well, actually, the 2020 Olympics in Tokyo, they actually had sumo as one of the potential sports to add. Um, and it was like a short list of like seven or 10 and they didn't end up going with sumo because it literally is only in three other countries where there's a large Japanese expat population. But, um, and they ended up doing like, uh, like I, it's more like Okinawan, like karate, I think it's any kind of karate, but they ended up adding that for the first time. But I feel like the Tokyo Olympics, even though sumo is not, you know, an official sport, I I feel like they're going to show like an exhibition, you know, just sort of like a, back matter to the Olympics just because there will be um, large a large sumo tournament going on during that like during the summer there's there's a couple of large ones and it's just so emblematic of the culture and so I'm hoping like just the tie-in with the Olympics the excitement with the Olympics like they'll get you know just people in general get some exposure to it it's just so cool it's something that I mean it brings me back to to whenever it was as a child, the first time I saw it on television, the first time I saw, I don't, I don't even know what, but, but that the ring, the, 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 the sacred throwing of the salts, the, there's just something to it that, I mean, as you're saying is very emblematic that um, it's just going to be cool to have children learn more and to know, to know about the space for, for both uh, boys and girls. Do you know from researching how young people start to train for sumo? Um, I know that they're offering it in like they offer it as like a PE option in some schools in Japan. Um, but I mean, you know, just like for fun. And I know yeah. it's becoming more popular for girls. And I actually went to Sumo USA when I was in California, like two trips back. 
and I went to their practice and there were, there were a bunch of girls there, but they were, you know, they were older. They were like maybe in their teens and twenties. But, um, but I feel like it's a little bit like more like um, the way you'd start a boxer, which would be more like maybe 12 or 14 to really, okay. but I, you know, I, I would have to double check, but I feel like that's, that would be more, and that would only just to be kind of an introduction as well. Not like but growing up in the culture, being aware or, or in however you've been exposed to it. And then by the time that you're in your teens or something like that, starting to think about it more seriously, that makes sense. There are probably other things you would do leading into it. Yeah. It's just as cool though. You know, I think this is also though indicative of, you know, I was a kid in the eighties, so I grew up with like the Ninja Turtles. And I grew up with like this awareness of, and the karate kid. And of like, there was like martial arts randomness in my, in my childhood. I don't know if that is what caused me to be aware of, of sumo or not, but the fact that it hasn't been done in a picture book before. And that, that you, Mia did it this way. It's just, it's awesome. You did such a beautiful job on it. I think you both did such a beautiful job of 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 holding respect uh toward the sport while while showing kids doing it in their living room it's just great thank you thanks yeah it's great yeah and also like i i get the flooding of of ninja and in, into our culture and into <laughs> our picture books and into things like that and i I see that and I get that. And it's neat that this feels adjacent to that, but feels a bit like a heel turn and offers more opportunity for children to see culture uh, in a connection like this. And that's cool too. Right. So we, we literally at my high school and I live in like a really liberal, you know, like, you know, suburb, like seven miles west of Boston. Like it's, it's very liberal. It's, um, but we have this fundraiser apparently in the high school where high school students put on like, like a knit, like a sumo suit. And then they sort of like, you know, run and like chest bump each other. And apparently they've been doing it for years. Um, and then like last year, you know, people started complaining that it was racist. So it set off this huge like controversy at the time. I think my oldest was a senior and um, I think like the seniors were running this fundraiser. And so the Asians were like, that's so racist. Like, why don't you just get a normal, you know, like, a, you know, like they have those bubbles, you, could, you know, yeah. you can battle. Why does it have to be sumo? And they're like, well, we already have the sumo suits and we've been doing it for years. And, you know, we don't <laughs> think it's racist. And it's the answer like, was because we already have the suits. Yeah, because we've been doing <laughs> it for years. It's really successful fundraiser. And I was like, seriously? Like, seriously? Like, this is, you know, like, we have 11% Asian population. We're like 30% Jewish. It's like a very liberal but you know, but like five years, five years ago, we all our high school also put on early modern Millie, and that's a really racist musical. And so, it's just you know, it, it a lot of times just it's you know people don't realize that this is actually not a great depiction, you know, because if that's what you're used to, it sort of um, I don't know, it just sort of sets the tone that like that's that's the the norm, you know, and so. I think with, I think that's what I was just trying to 
change change the conversation a little bit like in a subversive way <laughs> yeah well i appreciate you being subversive yeah, the, but picture books in children's literature uh is no stranger to subversion so i think you're in you're in good company in that regard so i'm watching our time i see that we've reached the end of our time i really appreciate all the all the all that you shared for both the illustrations going into this, the weird connections that were going on that were not quite influenced by a manuscript being sold and one being showed to Nat, but were in the ethos and everything was meant to happen. And it's just, I mean, you have a book together now and it's a fantastic book. And um, I, I can't be happier for you and hope more and more that uh, you all get a chance to be in front of a bunch of kids this summer or coming school year and just get to get to be with them as they experience this book with you. Is there anything else about Sumo Joe that, that we didn't talk about that you want to make sure we get covered before we say goodbye? It goes so fast. We got, we I got know, yeah. Sumo Squishies. <laughs> we got Working on Instagram. We got um, things not to do. We got cultural sensitivity and to be aware of um, things that, that may have been tradition, but, but um, need to be viewed through another lens. I appreciate you taking us there, Mia. Is there, we got lots of praise for editors and for Lee and low contests. <laughs> I feel like, I feel like we're in a good place and Mia's mailing of stuff. Nat, this is awesome. Yeah, I know. She's going to get some people <laughs> writing in. Can you send me a sumo squishy? <laughs> Can I have some stickers? <laughs> well, they can look forward to meeting you at book festivals and knowing that you like hand draw the eyes on these squishies. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> it's really like, and we maybe, maybe we'll get a, an alternate cover reveal in the future. I'll send you a photo. I will. Yeah. Your comedic value that you will both have. With some interior spreads of adult sumo Joe on the subway. I think it'll be. Yeah, I think I need. I think we need to do a swap, Nat. Yeah, yeah, we need to share. Matthew, we'll send. We'll send you some. Oh no, it'll be good. So good. We need to start a whole like chain of alternate children's book illustrations. Apparently, but deleted scenes. uh, Deleted scenes. I love it. Well, I, but I digress. Thank you both for coming on. I really appreciate our time together. Um, Before we wrap up, I want to bring us back to your readers. I want to bring us back to those messages that we've been saving for them. And um, Nat, I'll, I'll ask you first and then I'll turn to Mia. Nat, I'll see a library full of children tomorrow morning. Is there a message that I can bring to them from you? Um, I think I'd say never stop creating. Um, new and beautiful things. I think um, we tend to do that when we get older, or a lot of us do. And I think everyone has something unique to offer and that there are people in the world that need to see it or experience it. And then Mia, same question, last word. I'll see a library full of children tomorrow morning. Is there a message I can bring to them from you? I think um, just the value of just trying, because as you can see, mm. like I entered a competition and I lost but I still got a book made and it's, you know, I think a lot of times just, just to keep trying and just to keep at it and not to give up. Um, And that's how, you know, something that seems really impossible can actually get done. (laughs) 
This is Darshna Kiani, author of How to Wear a Sari, coming in fall 2020. Want to find out the latest South Asian books and children's literature? Check out www.darshanakhiani.com forward slash South Asian Kid Lit. The Children's Book Podcast is recorded and produced by Matthew Winner in his library studio in Ellicott City, Maryland. You can subscribe to the podcast and access the archive of over 400 episodes at matthewcwinner.com forward slash podcast. Our theme music is by Poddington Bear, care of the Free Music Archive. All views and opinions expressed on the show are those of the individuals and do not reflect ideas or viewpoints of the publishers of the books referenced. Want to help out the show? Writing a review on iTunes or sharing the podcast with friends through Facebook, Twitter, word of mouth, or any other means helps reach more listeners, which leads to more content and more amazing guests. And that's a very good thing indeed. Before we leave, I want to give a shout out to all of my patrons, those folks who are supporting the podcast and keeping the lights on care of our Patreon page. Thank you, Jenny, Sue, Amy, Sarah, Kate, Lisa, Darshna, Marianne, Jarrett, Anitra, Mike, Lynn, Link, Karina, Cynthia, Elaine, Doug, Judy, Amanda, Ruth, Laura, Teresa, and others who are coming with me on this journey. You're welcome to come with us too. Just visit patreon.com slash Matthew C. Winner and pick the support tier that's right for you. Teamwork makes the dream work, and each of you are helping to provide the tools necessary to make this podcast even greater. Thank you. We know you value what you put in front of your kids, especially when it comes to screens and podcasts. That's why we're excited to share a new podcast from our friends at Sleepiest, creating bedtime stories to help your kids fall asleep fast. Hello, Abby here. If you've got children and find bedtimes a struggle, I'd like to tell you about Coco Sleep, a children's story podcast designed to make bedtime a dream. Coco Sleep turns a chaotic bedtime into cozy bonding time. The stories are delivered in a pace that gently slows. Rumour has it that no one's ever heard an ending. So search Coco Sleep on your favourite podcast app and let's make bedtime a dream. That's K-O-K-O Sleep and I'll see you there.